0: Hello, I'm Gary Fogel, and welcome to another edition of Kentucky Sports Memories. Glad to have you with me, and today we are talking college football. We're talking college football from more than 100 years ago. We're going to go back to the very first college football game ever played in the state of Kentucky. That happened back in 1880. April 9th, 1880, to be exact. I'll get into more details about that in just a moment, but... Kentucky was the 10th state to have a college football game. And it was the first state south of the Mason-Dixon line to have a college football game. Obviously, Kentucky these days is known more for its basketball than football. And the football states are Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas. But Kentucky had a college football game before any of those states. As a matter of fact, as I said, Kentucky, the 10th state to have a college football game. That was in 1880, April 9th of 1880. Looking through the list, there wasn't a college football game in Alabama until you get down to, or as a matter of fact, Georgia was before Alabama. Georgia had its first college football game in January of 1892, so 12 years after Kentucky had a college football game. And the first college football game in the state of Alabama took place in February of 1893. As a matter of fact, it was Auburn against Alabama. So the first Iron Bowl game, the first rivalry game between those two. The first college football game ever played was in 1869. So that was 11 years before there was a game in Kentucky that happened in New Jersey. And it was New Jersey College, which is now Princeton, taking on New Brunswick. And that took place again in 1869. But that was the very first college football game, Rather, the the very first state to have a college football game. Wasn't a college football game in Kentucky until 1880. That was the 10th state to have a college football game. And it was the first one south of the Mason-Dixon line. So who played in that game? Well, it was Kentucky University And you would think, well, that's the University of Kentucky, right? They just had, they just reversed their name at that time. But no, it wasn't. Kentucky University later became Transylvania University, so it was what is now Transylvania University. And they took on Center College, and they played the game at Stoll Field, which became part of University of Kentucky's campus. So uh, it was played at Stoll Field on UK's campus but it was actually played between Kentucky University, which later became Transylvania University, and Center College. Kentucky University, again, Transylvania, wins that game by a score of 13 and three quarters to zero. How do you score three quarters of a point in a college football game? (laughs) We'll find out, we'll talk about that a little later on. So, a few details about that game, again, in 1880. Obviously, I would love to have talked to someone who witnessed it, but more than 100 years ago, there's nobody alive, obviously, who who would have attended that game. And I couldn't even find descendants of people who played in the game, so made it a little difficult. So I did talk to some people who knew something about it. We'll get to all that in just a little bit. But first, just a quick recap. This is a story from the Lexington Daily Transcript, It came out on Saturday, April 10th, the day after the game was played. And um, it was under the headline, 13 and 3 quarters to 0. And the story says, The above is the result of the match game of football played yesterday afternoon at the City Park between the Center College and Kentucky University teams. As the Danville boys had the reputation of being a splendid club, our boys expected to be beaten. I assume they meant by our boys, the Lexington team, which again was Kentucky University, again that went on to become Transylvania University. The visiting club was composed of tall, athletic men, while the university club was mostly made up of short, muscular boys whose style of physique is considered best for such a game. A large crowd of ladies and gentlemen, estimated at 500, witnessed the game, the ladies seemed to take an in especial interest in the fun, and it was pronounced that football had decidedly the advantage of baseball as a means of amusement to spectators. The collision between players at various times were almost equal to the coming together of two Spanish bulls and provoked much laughter. The game lasted two hours, commencing at four and ending at six o'clock. It was a played according to the Princeton rules. The Danville team was composed of the following young men. And it goes on to list about 12 to 15 players. not sure exactly, but lists just their last names. And then it says the university club of, and it lists those players' names. Again, 12 to 15 players. Goes on, Ernst was captain of the Danville boys and Patterson of the university. January of the Danville club acted as umpire. During the progress of the game, one of the Damble boys had his hand badly cut by falling on a piece of glass, the grounds having previously been used for glass ball shooting. Whatever glass ball shooting is, I don't know what that is, but apparently it was used for that prior. Probably not a good place to play a football game where people are falling down on a place where broken glass is left. Anyway, goes on. We hope that another contest will come off soon between these clubs. Having played together for the first time and knowing each other's styles, we have no doubt the Center College boys will have better luck in the future. And then it goes on to say, as a note, this is not part of the article, but uh, just so you know, the two teams did meet again on April 16th of 1880, so uh, just a little while later. That was in Danville, and Transylvania also won that game five and a half to 0 Center didn't field another football team until 1891. And as you know, uh, Transylvania does not have football today. But that's the first college football game ever played in the state of Kentucky. So going to talk about that in a little more detail. And coming up in just a moment, we'll hear from someone who has researched that game, knows a great deal more about it. So on top of that, I'm also in this show going to talk about Center College when it lost to Harvard back in October of 1920, because we just passed the 100th anniversary of that game. Took place October 23rd, 1920. And then a year later, Center went to Harvard and um, defeated them. So they lost to Harvard 100 years ago in 1920. Then in 1921, Center pulls off the upset and knocks off Harvard. And as you know, back then, Harvard was a powerhouse in college football. So we're also going to talk to someone who knows a great deal about that game and has researched it. So all that's coming up. But in our next segment, we'll go back to the very first college football game ever played in the state of Kentucky against Kentucky University, which later became Transylvania University. And Center College, again, took place April 9th, 1880 and we'll talk with someone who's a Transylvania grad who has researched that game, knows a great deal about it, and my conversation is coming up with him in just a moment. So stay with me. We go way back in history in college football. When we come back, I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories.
1: I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it worked. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org.
0: Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle, and in today's show, we're looking at the first college football game ever played in the state of Kentucky. Happened 140 years ago, 1880. Took place on what is now Stoll Field, which is a part of the University of Kentucky's campus, but it took place between Kentucky University which is now Transylvania University, and Center College. And Kentucky University won that game, again, back in April of 1880. The state of Kentucky was the 10th state to have a college football game. The first state to ever have one was New Jersey, 11 years before Kentucky. That happened in 1869, and it happened between New Jersey College, which turned into Princeton University, and New Brunswick. But let's talk a little more about the year 1880 when college football came to the state of Kentucky and what was going on with college football at that time. There's an article that talks about college football and how it was growing at the beginning of the 1880s, at the beginning of that decade. Just read a little bit of it to you, not the entire article, just a very small portion of it. And it says... At the end of its first decade of existence, meaning the 1870s, the still nebulous game of college football expanded out to the Midwest, gained popularity more deeply throughout the northeastern areas of the United States. Expansion took another turn in 1880 as football pushed its way southward once again and anchored more permanent routes. College football has become such a critical facet of the regional identity of the southeastern United States that it is sometimes hard to picture this sport's slow development in the region. For fans of the SEC and ACC, it can be even harder to imagine Ivy League institutions giving birth to the game in a part of the country where college football is now largely thought of as an afterthought on the biggest stage. So... Harvard and Princeton, schools like that, Yale, they were the big boys back then when college football first got started. And really, those are the teams that define the rules of the game that many are still used today. Article goes on and says, "...by 1880, though, campuses in the South were starting to warm up to the game. One pair of contests in particular stands out as it introduced a pair of new teams in the state where the sport previously had no roots." Center College, a small private institution in Danville, Kentucky, has an outsized place in the early history of college football. It was an inauspicious start for the praying colonels, however, as they took on Kentucky University, and it puts in parentheses, not the University of Kentucky, mind you, but the private school now known as Transylvania University, in a series of games between the two institutions. Flip it over to the next page again, just a little more on that. In the first contest on April 9th in Lexington, the two schools agreed to use a popular version of scoring rules where four touchdowns counted as one goal. Kentucky throttled Center College by 13 and three quarters to zero. A week later, the praying Colonels fell once again to their counterparts. This time the game was, play, was closer, but Center still fell five and a half to nothing on their home field. It was a home and home series that didn't necessarily have a massive impact on the 1880 season, but did prove significant in the long run as Center shook off its early cobwebs and became increasingly relevant in the early 20th century. With their two April wins over Center, Kentucky University joined at three other teams atop the unbeaten ranks. If we opt to include their spring schedule in with the 1880 campaign instead of the previous 1879 season, where history has often lumped intercollegiate spring sports. So that's an article that was written on the background of college football and what happened in 1880 as it was getting rolling into basically its second decade. 1870s is really when it got started in the Northeast and the 1880s it was picking up steam and growing into the southeast where eventually the SEC and ACC conferences were formed. All right, so what about that game in 1880, the first college football game played in the state of Kentucky? I basically shared with you all I know, but somebody knows a lot more about it than I do. His name is Sam Terry. He's a 1986 graduate of Transylvania. He lives down in Glasgow now, but he has researched that game and I talked with him about it.
2: Sam, I guess my first question is, why did you take an interest in this game? Uh, well, I do
3: um, a a blog called Sam Terry's Kentucky. And my goal with that, uh, as, as a personal endeavor, has been to highlight bits of Kentucky history that occurred on various Dates throughout the calendar year. I, I had an interest in it from the standpoint of Kentucky history, but also being a graduate of Transylvania University, which uh, at one time was known as Kentucky University, one of the, the teams competing in this. So it was interesting because I, I had attended the school. The game being played in the college president's cow pasture. Uh, rather humorous.
2: So it was in the cow pasture that eventually became Stoll Field for the University of Kentucky.
3: Correct, correct. And in between, it was a military training ground uh, used during World War II. Uh, And of course, Stoll Field became the historic uh, football venue at uh, UK and has a a storied past
2: all its own. Now, the final score was 13 and three-quarters to zero. How do you score three-quarters of a point in a football game?
3: <laughs> I think that's a marvelous question, and, <laughs> and I wish I knew the answer to it as well. Uh, and the only hint we have about the scoring uh, is, is that it was the game was played according to the Princeton rules.
2: Center College continued to play football and continues to today. Transylvania does not have a football program. When did Transy discontinue the sport? Uh,
3: the football program at Transylvania uh,
2: ended in 1941. And why is that? Just because of World War II?
3: I think that did have uh, a big impact on it because so many of the male students uh, were involved in the war effort. And uh, as as the school likes to... Uh, Uh, comment tongue-in-cheek that uh, their football team has been undefeated since 1941.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you've done all the homework and research you're going to ever do on this game, or do you think you may continue to dig into it over the years? I I would like to
3: do a little more research on it and see what else might be found. I think it's a fascinating topic, and it would be very interesting to try to uh, learn more about these players and uh, and what went on in their lives uh, after this game
0: that was Sam Terry again a 1986 graduate of Transylvania University who has done a little research into the first college football game ever played in this state tried to find some descendants of players from this game I couldn't even find that and um, Neither was Sam Terry aware of any descendants. I'm sure they're out there. We don't have full names of players who played in this game, but I'm gonna give you last names, there aren't that many, so I'm gonna give you last names of players in case you might think you know of someone or maybe you're a descendant. Center College, last names of players who were on the team. Here they are, Fulton, Dunlap, Vaughn, Clark, McCartney, Cowan, Moore, Cowles, Barber, Ernst, Taylor, January, Skinner, Webster, Reed, Barrett, and McKee. So that was the center team. For the uh, university team, last names were Fox, Allen, Logan, Shelby, King, Craig, Overstreet, Graves, Patterson, Hoopman, Garvey, Johnson, Lauderman, Langsford, and Thurgood. Going to move on to the 1920s, talk about Center College and its great moments in sports history and one great game in particular. That's coming up when we return. <laughs>
1: We hear from a lot of owners that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family.
0: I'm Gary Fogle. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. We're in this segment. We're going to move on to the early 1900s. We're finished with the first college football game ever played. But as we get into the early 1900s, Center College is still quite a name in college football. As a matter of fact, a book was written about the Center College football teams from that era, the early late teens and early 20s of the 1900s a book called The Wonder Team. And it was written by Dr. Rob Robertson. He was a 1963 graduate of Center College. And let me read you a little excerpt of what uh, was the capsule on the internet about the book. Again, it's called The Wonder Team and it says, The Wonder Team tells the story of the most famous and publicized college football team to ever play the game. If you now remember how in the years after World War I, A small group of talented and colorful young men put Center College and the little town of Danville, Kentucky on the map. The praying colonels played all over the country and despite having only 200 students enrolled at the school, beat all the major powers of the day. Fueled by Robert L. Chief Myers' almost supernatural belief that he could attract young players, mold them into a championship team, he and Center's wonderfully talented coach Uncle Charlie Moran helped the team achieve enormous acclaim not just in Kentucky, but across the entire country. In these years, Center produced three first-team water camp All-Americans, played in three of the first postseason bowl events ever held, and won the hearts of the entire nation as the Roaring Twenties were ushered in. Dubbed the Wonder Team by an adoring press, the team's complete exploits have now been compiled and immortalized by another Center College graduate, Robert W. Robertson Jr., who has made the telling of this remarkable story a true labor of love. And as I said, Robertson, a 1963 graduate of Center College, is now in his late 70s, lives down in Paducah, a retired physician, and I talked with him just recently about his love of Center College and this era for the school's football team. So you're a
2: graduate of Center, so obviously that has is a reason you have interest. But why so much interest in the uh, early 20s? Why so much interest in that period? I guess my question is, why did you write the book?
4: Well, I tell you, the main uh, motivation was my father. My father graduated from, or he actually entered Center in 1921. My uncle Howard, his older brother. Uh, entered in 1920, and he actually played on the 1920 team. Later had a ruptured appendix, and he couldn't play football, and he, he nearly died, because in those days that was a very serious thing. So Dad was the greatest fan of center ever. So Dad became the team mascot, and later on the manager. He was too small to play. And so my interest went from the fact that my father Literally lived that era, and it became one of the motivating factors in his life. He became the greatest fan, and and he followed the players the rest of their lives. Uh, And he kept told me all these stories. And whenever we would travel, when I was a kid, we'd always stop in Owensboro to see Hump Tanner, or Danville to see Army Armstrong, or whomever. Uh, whatever uh, famous player uh, was in the area. And so I became part of, you know, the history became part of my history simply through my father. And then my father left me so much memorabilia, so many newspaper clippings, programs, pictures, uh, autographed pictures from like Bo and uh, Bo McMillan and Red Robertson, he passed all that on to me, so so that's what was the nidus for my interest.
2: So why was the center team so good in the early 20s? I mean, it's a small school.
4: Center had 200 students, male students, and 200 students would probably be stretching the student body numbers uh, even though they did have at that time at Kentucky College for Women, which was strictly women across the town, but the male uh, population was around 200. What became, why the center became famous is because they had a guy, a, a, an alumnus named uh, Robert Myers, M Y E R S, who graduated from center, I believe, in 1907. And he was a wannabe football player. He never actually. Uh, he never lettered. her he I think he was on the team one year uh but he was he was mainly uh he was kind of the smartest guy in class, but certainly not the most athletic but he dreamed about making center a national football uh power, even though he had never played football much himself, and he learned the game from Alonzo Stagg and some of the famous players or some of the uh, famous coaches in the teens. And he dedicated his life to coming back to center and helping build a team. And he he went to Fort Worth, Fort Worth um, uh, Texas, and became a teacher in a, a new school called Northside High School in Fort Worth. And he also became the football coach simply because of his knowledge of football, not because of his skill of, as a player. And he brought back some of the players, who were the formative portion of the team uh, to center in 1916, 17, 18, and they built the team. Bo McMillan, you're familiar with Bo McMillan. Uh, so many of the of the, of the uh, players from the later it became a part of the 1921 team came from Fort Worth, and uh, they 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 were all amateurs. They were all they all. There, there was nothing. There was nothing professional about, you know, Center kind of got a reputation as a football school, but it wasn't that. It was just a bunch of really dedicated guys who had a dedicated, later became coach uh, uh, at Center, uh, who simply felt that he could achieve greatness at Center by making their football team become nationally known. And he succeeded.
2: So let's talk about that nineteen twenty team. We just passed the one hundredth anniversary of when they played against Harvard. Yep. Yep. And Harvard was a national power, if not the top team in the country, one of the top two or three. And Center gives them a game. I mean it's it's a good ball game. Harvard wins it, but Center is able to compete with them.
4: Well in, in twenty uh Harvard actually ended up going to the Rose Bowl Bowl and beating Oregon. And so and Harvard had only had one tie on the, uh, I think they tied uh, Princeton. And uh, Harvard was ranked number two or three in the country. But that was typical for Harvard during that era. People don't realize that from the inception of football in 1869 until the 20s, Uh, The football powers were in the Northeast, and they were primarily called the Big Three, Yale, Princeton, and Harvard. And, of course, now they play, you know, uh, very small-time football compared to then. But to be able to play one of the Big Three and compete with them uh, equally, a center was able to, as you mentioned, in 1920, was a dream come true. It just didn't happen uh, Harvard and Yale and Princeton were almost undefeatable during that era, especially from 1900 on. Uh, you know, to beat Harvard or Yale meant your, your season was made, and it was very rare that anybody was able to beat them. Later, of course, they de-emphasized football, but during those that era, the, the, the Big Three ruled.
2: You know, I, I kind of laughed. You know how today the big schools – schedule these weak opponents just to get a guaranteed win. Right. I wonder if Harvard looked at that game in that way back in 1920, that, oh, we just need a weak opponent somewhere on the schedule, so let's play these guys called center, whoever they are. Let's play them. Well, I just wonder what, if they...
4: That's somewhat true, Gary, but not totally, because there was a sports writer uh, in Boston named Howard Reynolds And Howard Reynolds had been a proponent forever of the fact that just because Harvard, Yale, and Princeton were considered the elite of college football, there were other programs out there that needed uh, recognition. So he took it on himself to come down and actually uh, spend time uh, in Danville, Kentucky, to meet the players, to watch them play football, not only at games but in practice. And he came back. Convinced that Center could play, had parity with uh, with Harvard, and was deserving of a game. And and what led to this was that Harvard and Center didn't just accidentally end up be, uh, playing uh, Harvard. Center had a game plan. In 1919, Harvard beat uh, Virginia. I think it was 47 to nothing. Har- Center purposely scheduled. Uh, Virginia for the game or for the week afterward, and they beat Virginia, forty-nine to seven. And then, Center uh, Harvard, uh, I mean uh, Princeton, had gotten beaten by West Virginia. Center purposely beat or played or scheduled West Virginia for the week or so after Princeton and West Virginia had played. West Virginia beat Princeton twenty-five nothing. Center went over to West Virginia and. Uh, West Virginia and so that got people's attention that they were not just a bunch of, of uh, kids from a small school in Kentucky they were they they had aspirations and they had ability and Howard Reynolds kept teach uh, kept writing up in the Boston newspaper you need to reach out beyond the New Jersey border the frontier doesn't just end in New Jersey there are things happening outside of the, of the, uh, the Northeast Territory or Northeast uh, Corridor, and you need to take a look at Center. So they, schedule, I'm sure they scheduled Center thinking they would win, but they also thought it was good, be good for college football to expand beyond their their uh, comfortable area of, of the Northeast and, and to play other teams. And and so Center Center came with some reputation, not just a, a pushover. You know, an easy payday one
0: day. So that was in 1920 when Center played Harvard and uh, Center kept the game close throughout the entire first half. Harvard pulled away in the second half to win it 31-14. to 14. But it was no pushover. Center gave them a competitive game. By the way, that game was played October 23rd, 1920 so we just passed the 100th anniversary of that game taking place. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to move on to the 1921 season when Center College pulls off a shocker, one of the greatest upsets, college football history. A conversation with Dr. Rob Robertson continues when we return. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories.
1: I can solve
3: difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company.
1: I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity if you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it worked. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at WhatCanYouDoCampaign.org.
0: I'm Gary Fogle. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories, where we've already discussed the first college football game ever played in the state of Kentucky, happened back in 1880, took place between Center College down in Danville and what was then Kentucky University, which later became Transylvania University, and uh, Transylvania won that game. It was played in Lexington on UK's campus, but uh, UK was not involved in that game. So that happened in 1880. Then in 1920, as a matter of fact, October 23rd, 1920, Center took on Harvard, lost to Harvard, but gave them a game and we just passed the 100th anniversary of that game taking place. And a year later, 1921, Center goes to Harvard and they pull off the upset. They went at six nothing. And back then, Harvard was a football power, they are, to football than what Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State would be to football today. So that's how big of a win, how big of a deal that was for center to go to Harvard and pull off that victory. So that was 1921, October 29th, 1921. So we just passed the 99th anniversary of that game. Anyway, I've been talking with Dr. Rob Robertson He is a retired physician from down in Paducah, but he's a Center College graduate, graduated from Center in 1963, he's now in his late 70s. And uh, he wrote a book called The Wonder Team, which deals with the Center College football program from the early 20s. And anyway, we've already talked about the 1920 season. Let's move on to 1921 in my conversation with Mr. Robertson. Let's move on to the 1921 game and
2: Center upsets Harvard, 6 nothing. Where would you rank that as biggest upsets in the history of college football?
4: Well, first, let me say that Center didn't consider it an upset. Center thought they had the better team, and they actually did. Uh, the the Colonels actually felt that they, when they went into the game, they had a game plan and they would win. But the Associated Press in 1950 uh, voted on the greatest college Upset during the first half of the twentieth century, and uh listed the center went over harvard six oh is the, is the greatest upset in college football during the first half of the twentieth century, so it was it was um, it was momentous
2: so center didn't consider an upset, but obviously the rest of the country did
4: yes yeah they did but but it was. While while it was a an upset, it was not just like uh, Center now going and beating uh, uh, Penn State or something like that. It wasn't that great an upset. Uh, it, it it was it was it was felt that Center could play with them because see in 1920 Center uh, they Harvard scored quickly and would had 7-0 and then Center. Uh, went ahead 14-7, and Harvard tied up the game at the end of the first half in the last two minutes of the first half. But center went off the field uh, with a 14-14 tie. So they, this was almost unheard of for a team to come in to Harvard to uh, uh, the great stadium there in, well, it's actually in Alston, not in Cambridge, but across the Charles. To actually go in and score two touchdowns in a half, nobody did that. So uh, Center had, Center already had people's attention at that time.
2: Well, I guess the 1921 game, not only does Center win it, which is a huge upset. As you said, it was determined the greatest upset in the first half century, college football. But not only did that, they, they shut out Harvard. I mean, Harvard doesn't even score. I would sure. think that sent quite a message.
4: Absolutely. I mean, the center had a game plan. They they knew that if, if they, the, the colonels felt like if they could score, they would win. And just by scoring, uh, just uh, uh, having a six zero 0 score toward the end of the game, they knew that they could hold. Uh, now, center, uh, Harvard almost scored uh, right toward the end of the game. They uh, had a pass. And actually, uh, ended up on center's three-yard line with just about a minute or so left in the game. But there was a offsides penalty, and uh, center and the play was called back. And then, of course, uh, center held them. And I think center, I believe, they intercepted the last pass or the last play of the game. But nonetheless, uh, they did hold them scoreless.
2: Do you recall? Basically, how many players were on the team back in those years, Twenty twenty one.
4: In 21, Center took 26 players to Harvard. 13 were freshmen. And of those, uh, I think uh, I've forgotten exactly the number, but a great number of players who played against Center, uh, against Harvard for Center, were freshmen. Now, what happened is, Gary, that after that year, the uh, what was considered the NCAA at that time, but mainly uh, the Southern Conference, declared that freshmen were ineligible. And so can you imagine what would have happened to Center in 1921 if they'd had no freshmen uh, eligible? Uh, they could hardly have fielded their team. They had a lot of uh, good returning players, but they couldn't play freshmen anymore. And so Center, slowly but surely, just simply by the diminution of numbers, couldn't compete anymore. But Center continued to compete until 1924. Are you familiar with the 1924 season?
2: No, not at all.
4: In 24, Center had they basically played 13 players. And in October of 1924, Center, which had not been invited to play in the Southern Conference, uh, by the schools like Vandy and Kentucky and uh you know Florida and the, the schools that later formed the Southern Conference. Center played Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Alabama and Georgia all in in October of nineteen twenty four and beat them by a combined total of seventy to seven to a combined score of seventy to seven. These were the four flagship schools in the Southern Conference, and Center handled them. And especially, it was a noteworthy that they beat Alabama 17-0. Alabama went to the Rose Bowl the next two years and would have gone to the Rose Bowl that year, except Center literally manhandled a great Alabama team in Birmingham in 1924. That was the end of Center's great era because the freshman rule finally caught up with them. They couldn't play anymore with the big boys. And even though they tried, uh, you know, that by by 1925 they finally actually lost to Kentucky, and, and they had beaten Kentucky seven straight years by a combined score of over 200 to seven. I mean, Kentucky couldn't even you know, could not even compete with Center, much less win. But finally, again, the, the numbers finally Center simply had to had to admit that uh, they couldn't play with the big boys anymore. And, and uh, they went from the heights to the depths very quickly.
2: Center's win, let's go back to 1921, their win against Harvard, that upset win, where would you think that ranks in the biggest wins of any sporting event in Kentucky history, the state of well, Kentucky? Kentucky
4: history, though, it's without a, uh, there's no doubt. It's the greatest win ever. Uh, it it caught, you know, what what else has caught the entire state's attention like that win? It was it was our boys. It was center. It was it was you know they were Kentuckians, and they were they, there was a lot of pride in the entire South. Uh, there was a newspaper in Georgia. The headline the day after the center um, Harvard game was Southern team beats Harvard. Didn't even have to mention. Uh, center, it, it simply was the, the pride was that a team from the south of Mason-Dixon line beat my, mighty Harvard. But it, 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 when you say what was the greatest upset ever in the history of Kentucky sports, I, w- I would say without doubt this this was number one with and not even a close there was not even a close second.
2: Well, not just uh, my my question wasn't ne- not necessarily upset win but just biggest sports moment i guess yep. in kentucky yep. history
4: i'd be hard pressed to name another one of <laughs> course i'm prejudiced you know i've written a book about it i've produced a documentary on it it's shown on ket all the time by the way it's going to be shown this coming week again so i am i'm prejudiced but uh, you know i just feel like that nothing ever caught the attention of in an entire state like the center win over uh, over harvard
0: Dr. Rob Robertson, in his late 70s, a 1963 graduate of Center College who wrote the book The Wonder Team about the Center College football team from the late teens and early 20s of the 1900s. And again, that uh, major upset October 29, 1921, we just passed the 99 year anniversary of that center knocked off harvard as a matter of fact number one ranked harvard number one ranked team in the country at the time center won that game by a final score of six to nothing so my thanks to dr robertson for his time and his insight on the history of center college football especially from back a hundred years ago my thanks to sam terry a graduate of transylvania university and his knowledge and history of the first college football game ever played at least the first college football game ever played in Kentucky, not the first college football game ever. The uh, first college football game ever was played in 1869 up in New Jersey, but the game that was played in Kentucky in 1880 was the first college football game ever played south of the Mason-Dixon line, so it was the first southern college football game ever played. That took place in 1880. It was played in April of 1880, between what was then Kentucky University, later became Transylvania University, and Center College, and that took place on the UK campus. And before I get away, I also wanna say thanks to Diane Johnson. She works at the Center College and is their resident historian, and she helped me a great deal with background on this um, story and contacts and things of that nature. So I wanna send out my thanks to her and her research and fine work that she did in helping me put together the information that went into this show. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I certainly appreciate that. And coming up next week, oftentimes I don't know what my show is going to be from one week to the next, um, but this time I do. And next week at this time, I'm going to be talking about uh, basketball as we're getting into November and we start thinking about basketball in the state of Kentucky. So I thought I would do a basketball show. And this is going to look back at the Laurel County girls' basketball program from the late 70s. I don't know if you remember, but Title IX passed in the early 70s. And it was 1974 that the Kentucky High School Athletic Association began to officially sanction girls' basketball in Kentucky. So in 1974-75 was the first season for sanctioned basketball. And in 1977, 77, 78, and 79, the Laurel County girls ran off three consecutive state championship wins. So um, quite an era for them for those three years. And next week, I'm going to be talking to some former players who played on those teams, as well as Coach Roy Bowling, who built that program. So that's coming up next week at this time. I certainly hope you'll join me. And as always, I hope you'll reach out to me. Uh, You can go to my website, KentuckySportsMemories.com. Go to the contact page, and you can get in touch with me there. If you have any comments or story ideas, would love to hear from you. That'll do it for this week. Next week, as I say, I'll be back talking about the Laurel County Girls Basketball Program from the late 70s. I hope you'll tune me in. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. I'll see you next week.
1: that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family.